0: Welcome to episode eighty-four of the Going Upstairs podcast from Opening Up Cricket. Today we're looking at a few themes around cricket and wellbeing. Tara Norris, who joins me, a bowler for Sussex, Seven Vipers, Seven Brave, and the United States, is someone that has done plenty with Opening Up Cricket before, and always keen to discuss things around wellness and well-being and as we know to have a discussion about mental health it doesn't have to always be about problems, diagnosed disorders, difficulties. Mental health is that continuum which includes everything about how we feel and how we respond to different situations. So the things that we discuss here transition into professional cricket routine and structure self motivation are all a part of proactive positive mental health that cricket can be a vehicle for so as you're listening there will be things which can be transferred directly into other parts of our lives but also have a real relevance to cricket and Tara's journey that she's going through so hope you enjoy it any comments feedback etc please send across via social media or comment on the episode from the platform that you find it. Cheers. Okay, here we are right at the height of the hundred and joining me is Tara Norris. Tara, how are you?
1: Hello. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for having me. How's things?
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Can't complain. Now we were chatting just before about how hectic the schedule is and anyone who flicks on Sky Sports or BBC and looks at the fixture list for the 100 C's that it's just relentless you know bang 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 it's uh from one venue to the next so how is that going uh firstly I suppose the actual tournament the cricket but the things around it the travel and the intensity of the competition
1: yeah no it's been really good thank you yeah if you look at your tvs like there's cricket every day so it's brilliant for for the cricket fans, definitely. Um, yeah, I suppose for the, for the Brave, we're four from four, so it's been awesome. Um, a little bit of travelling. We've had three away games. So we've got the Oval. Um, we've just got back from Cardiff and then our next trip is Leeds. So actually, in terms of away trips, we've had it pretty good. The rest are at home. Um, yeah, the crowds have been amazing. It's been, yeah, pretty intense, but really good fun. Um, this is like, I think the mornings are pretty much the same time we've got to ourselves and then it's pretty much training and you're just always around people but it's it's brilliant
0: Mm. it is so compacted into this period of time obviously by design because of the attempt to get people into the grounds in the the school summer holidays and and so on And, and for you Tara it's definitely been a big change from where how you'd come into the professional game I know everyone it's a big jump then to play in front of big crowds and and have your day-to-day existence uh, defined by cricket but this transition that you've had from being at university playing and so on to now doing it for a living has coincided really with the hundreds so what's been your reflection on that move from where you were before to being a professional cricketer
1: yeah I think luckily I was sort of um involved in the KSL before, which was, I suppose, like a, a semi-professional version of the 100. Um, but yeah, I, I guess if you look at the 100, like the, last year was the first year and no one really knew how big it was going to be. And I guess everyone was on the same ship, really, of, and no one was exposed to it. We had no idea how how big the fans and, and how big the crowds are going to be. Um, so I think kind of just taking that with a pinch of salt and yeah, I guess sort of, you know, we've, we've been training relentlessly. Um, I guess there was no real preparation for it. Once we sort of, I once well, once I signed with the Vipers, I did think I did one PCA rookie camp, which is the do's and don'ts, and you know how to be professional, and you know what your what your expectation is, and you know how you can balance it with the lifestyle as well. Um, but I guess last year was a big shift with the, with the first hundred, and yeah, just not knowing what to expect really. Um, but I think knowing that sort of everyone was in the same ship, and you know the likes of the England girls were amazing because obviously they've played in front of those crowds and and that's kind of a norm for them, I guess. Um, and I guess chatting with them and just knowing that you're there playing cricket, hopefully to entertain people, um, and hopefully to do well for yourself. And then when you sort of walk away and I guess the the life outside cricket is is funny as well. Like you're stuck in hotel rooms and, you know, you're in this very, very saturated bubble, um, which is, which has got some good and bad stuff, but I guess, yeah, just knowing, I guess knowing that you're all in together is, is quite, comforting for me um and then knowing who to go to or where to go to if you're not sure on you know yeah that the 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 tricky stuff um is really helpful
0: Mm. now you'd have been in i suppose in the phase of yeah pre pre pre-professional cricket that it's relatively recent that the this professionalism in women's cricket has been expanded so There would have been a point, I guess, where you would have been preparing for, say, your time after university, not anticipating there being that pro contract uh, at the end of it. So that must have been quite a pleasant shock or surprise to go from thinking what women's cricket had been like before compared to now, especially with the hundred things exploding and, and becoming so much more high profile Although it sounds like it's, it's win win, what kind of pressures are attached to now being being paid to do it, and it being the really the only thing that you do?
1: Yeah, so I guess yeah. Previously, when I was at university, um, the only way to play professional cricket was to play for England. Um, so you know that that sort of weird COVID period um, of 2020, pretty much the same week that I handed my my dissertation in, um, I got a phone call from our DOC at, at the Vipers offering me a contract, which again, yeah, was was incredible. Um, and I guess, yeah, sort of three years on we're now at the stage of actually, yeah, like cricket's full time and there's now there's more contract, which is brilliant. And hopefully, you know, we'll have a fully contracted team, um, hopefully in the next three years, pretty much, or, you know, two years. Um, so yeah, I guess, well, the pressure and expectation is just knowing that you've got to keep playing and, you know, I guess the lifestyle as well that comes with it. Um, it's a full-time job now and, you know you're not just clocking off at five o'clock it's it's a lifestyle and the life with it as well you know I guess in the summer knowing that you've got to commit to the weekends every weekend and being away from home a lot and I mean I absolutely love it I think it's I think it's brilliant and I can see you know you speak to players that have been playing for every 10 years and who have got families I, you know I'm sure the commitments get much harder um but yeah hopefully with more contracts and I think it's shown previously like the talent that's come through from the from the youngsters has been ridiculous. You know, we've now got a Commonwealth Games in cricket. Um, the 100's been really successful. There's an IPL next year. Um, domestic players are getting picked up for big bash competitions, which was kind of never really a thing. Um, it was only internationals. So the I guess the structure of women's cricket is just getting, is coming in thick and fast. And I think we need to adapt quickly to know that, yeah, we're, we're going to be playing 12 months a year, um, which is exciting, but I guess sort of being prepared for that as well.
0: Yeah it's like you say it's all coming so quickly but there seems to be no drawback really at the moment because it's all so fresh. I know from previous conversations that you are someone or at least I'm I'm assuming this you might correct me that you're generally quite a organized structured person you happy to do your own routine and and so on. How much of being a professional cricketer then? influences that do you do you revel in the fact that things are organized for you to a large degree or do you prefer to have that little bit of flexibility where you trust yourself to do the right things and not need it planned out for you
1: yeah I guess maybe with England it's probably more important knowing how they've got to balance you know x amount of tournaments in a year um for me personally I, I absolutely love structure and routine so knowing what I'm doing you know every week or for the whole year planned is is quite comforting for me. Um, But I can see both sides. It's nice to obviously have that flexibility. Um, With the Vipers previously, we've done in the winter, we've had like a a six-week block and then a week off. And it's been been called a wellness week. It's essentially just a week where your gym's a bit lighter, your conditioning's a bit lighter, and you're completely off cricket. And for me, that was always a way to either go on holiday or or see family or go abroad and visit family. Um, And kind of just a way to switch off and... So I knew for that those six weeks in the winter, I was totally switched on, committed, all in, and I knew I kind of had something to look forward to. Um, And obviously, once the summer comes, it's it's yeah, like I said, kind of thick and fast. Um, But I imagine for a lot of you know players who are involved in a lot of tournaments, it's pretty different, um, and juggling that can be pretty hard as well. Mm. So
0: even that language of having a wellness week goes to show how much consideration is given to the the well-being of players. Is that something which amongst the group that you're in and then with opposition players as well, is a theme that is visible about how people are looking after themselves, not just physically but mentally?
1: I think in the winter it's it's pretty crucial to honest. You're you're stuck indoors, you know, English winters can be pretty miserable at times. Um and I suppose if you're not working or doing something outside of cricket, it's really important to have that switch off time um I think also motiv- motivates you to to train harder and work harder if you know you've got a little bit of time or a little bit of rest time coming off um you know those last few weeks can be quite tough but knowing you've got you know a, a weekend away with some family or you're going on holiday or you're even just going to stay at home and you know do the bare minimum for a week I think knowing that can be you know can help you train even harder um and yeah like it, it can be something totally outside of cricket or something that you've never done before um for a lot of our girls, they work as well, so it's just a chance then them to catch up on their other work and and actually have some proper time off as well.
0: So as you're going into that, whether it be that time off or when you're in the the middle of it, what kind of conversations are happening about our you know our interest in in the sport here in terms of the the health and well being of players? Is this something that you you do find? Time to discuss, or is it a little bit more implied or not said about how we look after our minds?
1: I'd say, sort of my from my personal experience. I probably use sports psychs more really in the summer. I'm um, probably to a point of where I felt I've needed to seek support, um, sort of in cricket and also outside of cricket, more just from the balancing side. Um, I guess in the winter when all you're doing really is training and the routine is pretty much set in order for the next seven months. Um, something for me would, would probably be to use a sports psych in the winter and then I can, I guess I can use tools and, and like manage my wellbeing better um, so that I'm better prepared in the summer. Um, so I guess, I don't know, I'm just saying from my sort of personal experience, I tend to use like external support more in the summer when it does get hectic and I need to just help with balance outside of cricket um, and it might be more cricket-specific skills I'm trying to work on or what sort of sports psychologist skills that I'm trying to work on for for my cricket. Hmm.
0: That's good that that's available because, of course, we know from even just a relatively short space of time ago that access to that kind of support was not necessarily a given. Um, As a group of of players now, I think what's interesting, I remember speaking with... um, Eve Jones about this pre-season with people moving between different squads quite a lot. So you're you're, you're sort of summer long contract and then you're hundred one and maybe people going away. um How easy is it? Is it, how easy is it to strike up the kind of friendships that can be supportive and helpful for people to maintain? Yeah, maintain a bit of balance and a bit of order in their lives.
1: Yeah, I guess I, I don't know. I guess the women's crew was well, pretty small. Um, but you know, I know I've got a handful of friends who maybe aren't necessarily on my, on all my teams that I play in, but I know that they're only a phone call away or a a, vo- a voice note away or a WhatsApp away. Um, so actually I think if you have got those really good friendships, you know, mine are, tend to be my uni friends who played, who I played cricket with, um, you know, that maybe they're not necessarily on your team, but actually now, you know, technology is so good. You can pretty much call someone straight away from the other side of the world. Um, and knowing that I've got that actually is a big help, and I do like rely on those friends, you know, all the time. Um, if it's not in the hundred, or sorry, if it's not in the cricket world, it's you know stuff outside of cricket. Um, so no, I think that comes pretty easy, and and hopefully everyone's got you know so a, a small handful of people they can rely on.
0: Hmm. That that's a good. Uh, I think that's a really good point that because it's uh, quite a yeah, relatively small world, and you do see the same names come up in the same teams even though they've moved between different tournaments so I can imagine that being something which which gets um, people access to sort of supportive friendships and and teammates so the routine and the structure for you um, is something that is is helpful. Self-motivation though is still a huge part of professional sport and any work that you do for example I'm starting my year, academic year as a teacher. Yesterday, my first day back in self-motivation was uh you know a challenge, but somehow some systems in me managed to get some stuff done, get get a little bit ahead, felt good about that. What's it like from your perspective in a job where often the result is a long way off, like the game might be a fair distance away, but you've still got to keep putting the, the efforts in as you go along.
1: Yeah, I guess I suppose it's an element of sort of intrinsic and external motivation. Um, I guess that's quite common to have a little bit of both. Um, it's funny, actually, I don't know if you've done any work with Lewis Hatcher, but he's got these like really good sport journals. And one of the pages is, you know, what's your intrinsic motivation? What's your external motivation? And a lot of it is pretty much you know, what can I control, what, what I can't control. Um, and I spoke to him about that. And I guess, yeah, I, I'm the type of person that relies on a little bit of both Um but I guess your sort of internal motivation is knowing, I guess, what the end goal is and, you know, it could be a number of things or it could just be focusing on the next summer. Um, but I think knowing that there's going to be a lot of enjoyment out of it and, you know, I think you need to work hard. And I guess we're now at the stage where people are professionally contracted that talent is only get you, going to get you a certain way. Um, you need to put an X amount of hours and kind of go beyond that, really, if you want to be successful in yourself. Um and I guess just knowing, you know, what you want and, and how badly you want it. Um obviously there's a lot of external stuff that come with it. You know, I I you know I, I really need a lot of external recognition from coaches and players. Um that kind of helps me get along the way. Um there's now the case of money in into it as well, you know, how much money I'm getting paid for X amount of tournaments, I guess. Um, but I think sort of knowing what your internal motivation is 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 gonna last you a lot longer than the external stuff. Um but yeah, don't get me wrong. It can be pretty tough in the winters when you're, you know, last year we were running in like horizontal hail at one point. And I was thinking, what am I doing? Um, but you just sort of think about the the next six months um, and know that hopefully it'll all be worth it.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Those winter, I think winter in this sort of most people's walk of life can be the bit where you you can't see the purpose in what. In... Yeah you're doing um so yeah I could definitely see that now you had an interesting close season in that you were playing cricket still but you were in um a a region both geographically and, and otherwise which is quite different to to what people might expect um you represented I've represented the United States in in cricket so just tell me a little bit about kind of how that came about And also what it was like, I guess from a well-being perspective, not having a great deal of time to switch off from cricket. Even though you might have been seeing some fantastic places in the world, you were still there to play cricket. And that, I'd imagine, would would still be the thing which is dominating your thought process.
1: Yes. Yeah. So I was really lucky to, I was born in the USA, so... Yeah, it kind of came through the 100. I got a phone call from the head coach at the time asking me if I was available for for two tours coming up, um, which were both incredible tours. We were lucky enough to go to Mexico City and Zimbabwe. Um, But yeah, I suppose from a wellbeing point of view, um, I guess if you look in terms of funding as well, USA cricket compared to other associate countries, uh, sort of lacking in budget. Um, But we were really lucky. We had really good support staff. Um, But you know, you think of it now, even the Vipers, we've got... You know, there's like an ongoing joke that we've got barrels of staff, um, sometimes more staff than players. And, you know, USA cricket, you've got a head coach, um, a physio and essence and a manager. And, and that's pretty good. If you look at other associate countries, they they come with one head coach. So we were really lucky. Um, yeah, from a well-being point of view, I suppose I played a full summer and then a little bit longer. Um, so by the end, physically, I, I was pretty tired. I was pretty cooked and I'd had a little niggle in my knee. Um So I was a little bit frustrated that, you know, I was in pain. I was still playing through it. And, you know, I knew that once I got home, I could seek, you know, the the the, um, physios here and the doctors here and and get a scan and whatnot. Um, But yeah, it was very intense. I remember Uh, in Zimbabwe as well, we were stuck in a COVID bubble. So there was limited stuff to do. Um, We were sharing rooms as well. So I don't think I got a minute to myself, really. Um, So I remember that being quite tough just, you know, playing cricket was brilliant, but it was kind of going back to the hotel and then there not being much to do. The Wi-Fi was shocking. So I don't think I spoke to my family very much. Um, But I guess I don't know, just I was very I I guess I was trying to remind myself how lucky I was to be there and that I'm doing something that I love and I'm in an amazing part of the world. Um, And I think just sharing that with other people, you know, you know, I think someone said to me, oh I'm I'm missing home a little bit and we're with quite a young team. So a lot of the girls had never been away from home. So I think kind of just speaking to them and saying, yeah, and look, I'm finding it a little bit tough as well. And, you know, I've been away from home for a few months now and, you know, this is making me frustrated or, you know, this is getting me down, whatever. And I think just being really honest with your teammates as well, because chances are someone else is probably feeling the same way, if not pretty much the same. Um, But yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, those were two unbelievable tours and I had so much fun. But yeah, when you're that there was no routine whatsoever. There was absolutely no structure. So for me, that was a big, like, not panic, but, you know, I thrive on routine structure. So when every day is different and you've got absolutely no control over it, you know, it, it was a bit of a curveball. Um, but I guess it's just sort of accepting that, well, I'm in a third world country, you know, I can't control what's going on. Um, you know, it's kind of just, well, I've either got to accept it or I'm going to throw a hissy for every day, um, which is not going to be really productive. So, I think, yeah, just sort of accepting that as well.
0: Yeah, it's a big thing, isn't it, to accept what's going on? And in theory, it makes complete sense. And when we talk about it out of the heat of the moment, we wonder why we can't just do that all the time. But when challenges and stresses are there, it makes that much more difficult. Um, just a couple of things Tara to finish with that when you mentioned the lack of um routine and structure and and then trying to deal with that do you have any things which you you use as tools or techniques to help you when there is a bit of chaos going on and you want to bring yourself to some order and structure to help you get through it
1: um honestly at the time I wish I did have something um a lot of stuff I use is like I write a lot of things down so like, even if I, you know, there's barely any structure, like I might write in my uh, little notebook, okay, for the next three days, I'm going to try and structure, I don't know, the same, I'm going to wake up the same time every day. And then from there, I'm going to, I don't know, do a form of exercise or I'm going to do this at a certain time and just, I guess, sort of plan my own structure in like this unstructured life, I guess. Um, and I think using, like like I said, those, those two or three friends that I really rely on to speak to and just say look like i'm I'm struggling with this can i speak to you about it um and i guess like i'm I'm a big talker as well so like i talk a lot but maybe to a handful of people um like i make sure my circle's really small but i know i can rely on those two or three people and just sort of relay off what i'm thinking or what i'm what i'm worried about um but definitely yeah that little notebook of just writing down like a small routine within that and at least i know i can tick things off and i like to like I like to tick things off and achieve things um I feel like I've done something the day and even if you're stuck you know doing something where there isn't a lot going on or you're on a rest day or you feel like you can't control a lot even just making sure you can like micromanage a small thing whether that's healthy or not I'm not too sure but for me it gave me a little bit of achievement or a sense achievement um which was I guess my kind of motivation
0: really yeah I think hear that completely um and i think a lot of people who who are who are listening and 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 people who have these conversations for some routine and structure sounds really constricting and people like love to be to be free but i think i remember reading or hearing somewhere that really you're not you actually not, pati- not the, f- the free bird you think you are when you don't have routine and structure, because when you can do absolutely anything, often you end up doing hardly anything. I, I always use the Netflix analogy that you've got yeah. everything you can pick from. And how many times do we spend half an hour going, mm, maybe i may put them on my list. I might watch that later. Not quite, I don't feel in the mood for that. And then you've had the whole episode's length. We've not actually watched anything. And yeah. the whole world can be like that, can't it? So the routine does bring us back to things that we, we can actually do and get yeah. on.
1: Yeah, and no, I agree. I think I think lockdown was a really good example of that as well. You know, people all of a sudden were working from home or suddenly were just at home all day and didn't know what to do. And obviously it was a little bit different. There wasn't a lot we could do. Um, but yeah, I think as humans, we're we're creatures of habit and we thrive off, I guess, some sort of familiarity. Um, but yeah, like you said, when you're, I guess if you're a little bit disorganized or life can feel a little bit chaotic when, yeah, you've got all these options and you don't know if you're here or there, but I guess, yeah, it doesn't have to be absolutely rigid. Um, having some sort of structure, then I think it does allow that flexibility. For example, you know, every six weeks, I know I've got a little bit of time off and then I can plan something. I can see, you know, family, friends, whoever. um, And knowing that, yeah, every six weeks, I'm going to knuckle down, work hard. But once I've got that time off, I'm going to do, you know, whatever I want. I'm going to go abroad. I can, you know, see whoever. Um, And I think it's just sort of finding that happy medium and not getting too rigid, but knowing, well, if I have a little bit of structure, then I know that it can open up so many other doors.
0: Yeah, and uh, I, I find myself nodding here and, and agreeing quite a lot. I think we've got a similar perspective on it. But um, my final thing would be then, um, based on yeah, all this experience that's come really quickly. Um, what do you think's been the thing you've learned the most about, probably yourself, not necessarily as a cricketer, but just as as you full stop, um, based on the unique environments you found yourself in? What do you see yourself looking at and going, I didn't really know I was like that or that that was something I did uh, that, that's been prompted by what you've been through?
1: Um, okay, yeah, I guess I think my personality is very, um, I wouldn't say thrill-seeking, but I like to know what the next thing is, if that makes sense. So, for example, I yeah, we went to Mexico, then we went straight to Zimbabwe um, came back to the UK and I, I went somewhere shortly later and I feel like my personality was almost chasing the next thing rather than just almost being still a little bit um, and just sort of enjoying what I'm doing and, and really sort of thriving in, in each moment and maybe not worrying too much about the future and what the next big thing is going to come up or the next tournament or going away and almost seeking that thrill a little bit um, which I think is a, a good and a bad thing but just really when I am still or if I'm in a team for a certain period, just make sure that, you know, every time I walk off the pitch, like I've enjoyed it and I've, I've given it my all and I'm really just playing. It. it sounds really cliche, but I'm really just like playing in that game, in that moment. I'm doing what I need to do right now for this team. Um, or I guess in, in life as well, you know, I'm, I'm doing this, whatever, right here, right now. Um, and yeah, not sort of looking at the next the next thrill-seeking challenge or you know, where I'm going to be
0: in the next six months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very interesting. And uh, thank you, Tara, across this whole conversation. It may be that it's based on cricket, but I think these themes around well-being, in terms of routine instruction, motivation, self-reflection, transitioning between different periods of our lives, things that everyone goes through, um, and they're all things which provide tests for us mentally um but there's always things that we can do to try and influence things positively and i think that's been a great theme so as we finish i wish you good luck with the rest of the hundred the rest of the season and then hopefully a good chance to have a little bit of a break to recharge your batteries cheers tara
1: thank you so much cheers